Hey guys, welcome to Raising the Standard, Leadership Mindset and Development for the Kingdom Man. In today's episode, you are not going to want to miss this. I'm joined by my brother, my friend, Frank Rich. Frank has an incredible story. He's got a fitness background, he's got a business background, and he's got an incredible personal testimony of something he's walked through that you need to hear. Frank helps men break the bondage of pornography addiction through faith, and fitness. His story is nothing short of incredible, and I'm not making that up. You got to hear this for yourself. I was privileged to play a small part in his journey, and we have been walking together as friends for the last few years. It's my honor to introduce you to Frank Rich. Let's get into it. You are listening to Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the kingdom man. If you've ever wondered, how can I be the man God created me to be? Or maybe you asked yourself, what purpose does God have for my life? If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. My goal is simple, to help you access the unfair advantage all Christian men have and give you actionable strategies to reach your full potential. My name is Josh Kachadorian. I am a best-selling author, husband, father, disciple, and son of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, upgrade into your identity as a kingdom man, and take the territory that God has for you, then it's time to raise the standard. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Raising the Standard. I've been so excited about this one. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Because I'm joined by a really special guest. I have my brother in the house with me, Frank Rich. Frank, welcome to Raising the Standard. Josh, it's uh, it's so good to be here, man. This has been uh, five years almost in the making when you really think about it. So I'm excited. I'm honored to be here and looking forward to uh, wherever today goes, man. Yeah, same here. I mean, Frank, you uh, we have a background, so I think we're going to share a little bit of our background because for anyone listening to this, you are also in the men's space. You have unique work that you do, but you have a really powerful story that I want to make sure we unlock that for anyone listening. Um, stay with this because you need to hear Frank's story. It's so incredibly powerful. Um, and Frank and I are friends. So let's let's jump in with the background a little bit because we have some real value. You, you have some specific value to offer the guys that listen to this show. I feel like you have so much. You have an incredible journey, um, which turned into an incredible mission. And um, just for anyone listening, I want you to stick with this because Frank is a powerful man. He's got a powerful story. And he used that story, something that could have worked against him, and he took it you flipped it and it's became it's become a mission for you where you're seeing guys walk in a whole new level of freedom, liberty and you're literally rebooting their life and we know there's a lot of other things on the horizon for what you're doing right now. So let's just back up for a minute and um let's just talk about how we met because you're you're a powerful guy, you're into self-development. Um we've met through a mutual mastermind that you and I both joined and uh we became friends kind of right off the bat. I have always been, you know, for a long time, I looked at it as like a self-development junkie. And I think that was a way that I, I pay a lot of attention to language now because I believe the words that we speak hold a lot of power. And if we're not clear and precise in what we say, it can lead us either down a very destructive path or it can lead us to a very empowering position 
So when you talked about the self-development, I, you know, I mentioned the word junkie and, and I think that is an important thing to kind of bring to the surface and talk about here now because of the work that I do is in the addiction space. But from a very young age, you know, 19, 20 years old, like I was diving into the Tony Robbins, the, the John Maxwell's, the Brian Tracy's, like all these greats that have, you know, kind of shaped and formed what has now become this massive billion dollar industry. And now that as I look back as a 38, almost 39 year old man, I can see what I was chasing. I was looking for something and ultimately you helped bring that into my life. But yeah, I, you know, I'd been in entrepreneurship really since like boyhood. Like I was, you know, I was the kid that was selling candy on the back of the, you know, on the back of the bus. I was flipping it, you know, just so I could have extra, you know, extra lunch money. By the time I was 10, 11, 12 years old, like I ran a small landscaping business, like in our community, in our neighborhood. This is before, you know, landscaping became, you know, the multi-million dollar industry that it is today. Like I'd load up the lawnmower, the weed eater, a tank of gas, and I'd make a couple hundred bucks on, on a weekend. So I think the drive and aspirations to make money was just something that was ingrained in me. My parents were entrepreneurship. I just think my parents were entrepreneurs. I just think I identified that there was a way to make more than what we had. So we weren't poor. It was like a lower end middle class type of thing. Like we never went without. I just always saw that there was people that had more. So in my brain, it's like, well, how do I get to that level? Well, I'll just take this on my own. So by the time I was 20, 21, like I had all these kind of side things. Um, and then through my, you know, through my 20s, like I, I achieved some success, like in the corporate arena, you know, both both in kind of sales leadership positions and actually as an executive recruiter in a large uh, a large recruiting firm here, which we serviced uh, finance companies. We had a lot of pharmaceutical clients and we worked in the uh, defense sector is as well. At the age of 30, though, I, I was done of building other people's dreams, like kind of linking it back to knowing that I had the ability to go out and make something happen. I started my first company at, at 30 years old and right out of the gate, like I had some massive, massive success. I mean, my first month I made 17 grand, my first full 12 months, we did 360 in gross revenue. By the, by the third year, we were breaking half a million uh, in, in, in sales. Um, now that's a sales number. That's not what I was bringing home. I think that's important too, because in the entrepreneurship space, you hear a lot about sales revenue and people kind of chase this seven figure income, let it cost them, you know, cost them $990,000 in ad revenue to, to produce that. But it, it, I came home with a good living, but I also saw an end to that because that was a cash grab. And I, and I have no problem saying that at the time there wasn't a passion in selling tickets. There wasn't a passion in what I was doing. It was simply to make as much money as I possibly could. But as I saw a shift in the industry that I was working in, I did have a passion for health and fitness. So something that I really became a massive part of my life right out of high school. And I spent my twenties competing as a bodybuilder and really trying to learn and master like the execution side of things. Like I built my body, I'd done the in-person training stuff. So in 2017, I hired a business coach and this was to help me build my own fitness brand. And it was a part of that coaching that gave me a ticket to Toronto, which was the mastermind that you were referencing. Um, and then also was July, uh, July of 20, 2017. And, you know, I, I flew to Toronto. I had no clue what I was getting into. Um, I attended a couple events at that point, but I'd never been in like the mastermind circle or space. So I went in there, you know, excited, not knowing what I was going to get out of it. Um, and I learned a lot of business. I made some amazing, you know, connections that have really, you know, turned into partnerships and a lot of other things I'm doing today. But when I look back, like the, the biggest takeaway from, from that weekend was meeting you and Rachel. Um, 
So yeah, that's where we met, man. I don't know, you know, kind of where, where you want to go from here, but, but, but we met 2017 in, in, in a fitness mastermind up in Toronto. Yeah, no, I love it. And I love that backstory because a, a lot of the audience here, they're into personal development, right? We're here to raise the standard in our life, to be the best version of ourselves um, from a kingdom perspective. And that's what we explore on this show. And I, I like the backstory of your affinity for personal development to always want to push yourself to be better. I think that if that's expressed itself in your life a few different ways and especially in fitness. And I'll just, I'll share this with the audience. You know, um, when I met you, Frank, that was what your business was. You were building your fitness business and I worked with you. I hired Frank. So Frank is a great trainer. His programs are amazing. I did Masthetic. I loved it. Um, we got the chance to train together a couple different occasions. So, uh, that's a huge part of you know life that we both share together. I know. Um, well, we'll let you talk about that in a little bit in terms of what your your focus is at this present moment in time. Um, but you've just been a great role model there and a really intelligent training approach as well. There's a lot of garbage out there, and uh, you were someone that really, you know, you know what you're doing when it comes to training and getting maximum results with. Uh, with the, the, I don't want to say the least amount of effort because there's effort with what everything we do, but in a really intelligent manner, we'll just say it that way. So I appreciate what you're about. And I love that, that striving in your life, that laboring to always be the best version of yourself. And that's, that, that's kind of what brought our paths together is that we were both, were building a business at the time where our paths crossed. Um, so let's do this because the audience now has a backstory of how we met and, uh, you know, where we met, but let's talk about really the pivot point in your life that you and I had together. We shared a moment. Um, I'll set it up from my perspective. Um, you know, Frank, you and I stayed in touch. We've, uh, we've been really good friends after meeting each other, you know, some guys you hit it off with, and there's this mutual relationship where you can just, you know, share insights and stories and learn from each other. And that was someone that you were for me. And that led to uh, a couple of years ago, I was going down to Florida for business where I was going to be near where you lived and you uh, graciously met me and we hung out for a little bit that afternoon and I'll, I'll kind of throw it over to you um, and we can kind of tag team where you want to, but I'd love to hear from your perspective. Well, actually, let me just share a little bit more because for the guys listening that are, you know, th this podcast is explicitly Christian, right? So if you're listening to this, you're most likely a believer or you're exploring, but you're you know what this show's about, you know what I'm about. So I'll just open up here because when it comes to sharing your faith, let me just give, you know, my lesson and, and something in my life that that kind of came out through my relationship with Frank. So there might be listeners like me right now. I'm pretty confident there is. There's guys you know in your life, there's colleagues, there's people you work with, there's friends. They may know you're a Christian. Maybe they they don't know. Frank, you knew I was a Christian. I, I had expressed that to you before, um, but I never really went deep into it. I never really explained it. I was waiting waiting for the right time. And um, you know, for the listeners, hey, I just loved hanging out with Frank. Right, every time we got on the phone, well, there was so much to talk about. I just didn't make time. Our, our conversations organically went in all these different directions. We would talk about training and life and just different things and our businesses and what we were focused on. And I knew at one season in my life specifically, I actually was starting to get convicted. I was starting to feel like, hey, you love Frank. He's your friend. Well, why haven't you told him about me yet? And just the voice of the Lord nudging me and saying like, uh, you have to share the gospel with Frank. And I, I knew I was going down to Florida. So in preparation for this, I said, you know what? 
Um, I'm going on this trip with a, with a mission. Not only do I want to hang out with my friend Frank, but I need to tell him the truth. I need to tell him who I really am. I need to share something with him that I, I wasn't embarrassed. I just didn't make time for it. I just didn't make time for it. We were so busy with life um, and our conversations that I just didn't stop to pause. And this time I decided I'm going to pause. And um, and I went down there and we had a chance to connect. We went out to lunch. And guys, you know, here's the backstory for what Frank's about to share from his perspective. Um, I might've been a little bit nervous. You know, I, I knew what I was going to say to Frank. I had an idea where I wanted to go. So I had a little bit of like a nervous anxiousness, Frank, of like, hey, I have something I want to share with you. Like, I know we got to go through some preliminary talk, but there's really something on my heart that I want to get to. And that led us to a restaurant and uh, we actually had a great meal. It was an awesome steak, I think. And uh, I'll let you take it over from here. But uh, we sat down, we chatted. And Frank, I'm going to turn it over to you to, to tell me your perspective. And we can break that down a little bit and then where that journey has taken you. Yeah, absolutely, man. This is uh, this is, this is is exciting to do. And um, if I start to ramble off, which I do have the ability to do, you kind of said some things there where like sometimes we get on the phone, like we just go in all these different directions. So your show, you control me because I may just I'm, I may just take up the I next will. hour here to share to share I'll, a moment I'll break that took in. literally like 15 minutes. Um, I do want to touch on something you kind of said about the training piece here because I think that there is a real good takeaway here for the audience. Like you, you gave me a lot of credit, right? And I appreciate that, and, and that means a lot to me. But my journey through fitness, my success, if you even want to look at it like that, building my body, building other people's body, or even having any success in the fitness space was due to other people. It was due to being intentional about learning from other people, realizing like, I don't have all the answers. There probably was a point in my twenties where I thought that maybe I knew everything, but as I got older and older, I've realized like, I know nothing. So for the audience out there, obviously you're in the right place because if you're consuming this podcast, you're trying to learn from others. So stay on that course, stay on that path, because that is the way to success. So I just wanted to kind of really piggyback off of what you shared there. But, Great advice. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. And I actually want to I actually want to revert back to the July event because I think that there was a pivotal moment there in Vince's mastermind, whether it was day one or day two, that really was a catalyst for the next two and a half years, which led us to that point in Orlando. So I had talked about, you know, chasing something from a very young age and kind of the personal development space, like realizing like, there was an emptiness, there was a hole inside of me that I was trying to fill with it, the acquisition of knowledge. Also at the same time, I always had this dream and desire to be a father. I always had the dream and desire to have a family, to have the white picket fence, to have a legacy that was mine, like a, a, a family that looked to me to guide them and protect them and lead them. I love my father. He's an amazing man. We have a great relationship. I wouldn't say it's the best father-son relationship, and it's never been that way. Um, so for me, when I when I went to Toronto, I went to Toronto to learn how to build a marketing business, to learn how to build a fitness business through internet marketing. But what I got out of that, like we've already talked about the relationship here, has been so much more. And the pivotal moment there for me was when Vince brought Lucha. You know, I had never seen a grown man express his love for his father the way that Vince did in that event. And it really showed me 
what real strength and courage can be in a man. Like, you know, I came from the fitness space. I came from like, you're strong if you can bench 500 pounds. I came from the place of you're strong if you're bigger and louder than everybody and you're kind of intimidating. That was the signal or sign of strength for me in growing up, right? But seeing that, seeing a grown man, a very successful grown man, pass the, pass the baton off to his father and basically, here's my marketing event. Share the love of God with this. And that's really what, what, what Luch was there to do. So I think that was really the catalyst for the next two and a half or one and a half years between you and I. And then even like sitting down with you and Rachel, like we somehow we ended up across the table from each other at the pizza restaurant. And I'm like, what do these, what do these amazing people want out of me? Like, I, I couldn't understand it. Like at the time I was a meathead. I was, you know, <laughs> you were huge. I was very, it was very big, big, Frank. Very, very big back then, but you know, I didn't live a great, <laughs> like I had some success, but I also like lived in the world. Like, so I wasn't a Christian. So drinking drugs, like meaningless sex with as many women as I possibly could. Like it, that, what was my life? And then here I see this amazing couple, like that has the family, like, why do they want to even have a conversation with me? So I, I had a hard time even from the beginning. But you said, yeah, we kept that relationship going for like a year and a half. And a lot of times, like, I felt like I just leaned into you to, like, hear my problems. And you were always there, like, with an open ear. And you always had great advice. And you never were judgmental. So I just loved the conversation. So when you told me you're coming down to Orlando that, that week, I'm like, amazing. I get to go see now one of my best friends in the world that I talk to on a regular basis. I'm getting to hang out with in person. That's just going to make everything better. Not knowing anything that I was getting ready to do. But a couple a couple weeks prior to that that day in October, I remember standing in the kitchen. So we're talking about this business thing. We're talking about the internet marketing space. Well, from 2017 to 2018, my business didn't do anything. Yeah, we were we we were making a little bit of money. We were building a list. We were creating customers. You said how amazing the product and program was for you, but it never took off the way that I thought it was going to. Remember, I had some other success in business, so I think I went into this thinking like, this is going to take off right out of the gate because my first business, I made 17 grand in the first month. So I was having a hard time just even understanding like, why isn't this thing working? I'm going to the events. I'm implementing the tactics. I'm talking to Josh every week. I'm hanging out with the guys at Critical Bench. It's like everything that I was being taught, I was implementing, but why aren't things growing in and, and, and why aren't things scaling? And I could never having a conversation with Stephanie is one night in September and like, Steph, I don't know what to do. Like my, my ticket business is about to go under. I was coming to the end of my contract there. This isn't making any money. We're having a hard time. We're fighting. We're living together. How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to do this? I'm like, Steph, I'm trying everything. Like maybe we need to go to church. Like, and that literally was just like, it just came out. Like it wasn't a really rational thought. It was just like, these guys go to church. Maybe, maybe there's a piece there that I'm missing that's going to tie all these things together. And, 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 and Stephanie was my ex, she's my ex-girlfriend now. She was the woman I was living with at the time. She was like, that's weird. Like, you've never talked about this. She had a back, like she, you know, she was raised Catholic and it kind of left a sour taste in her mouth and she had left the church, but she was like open. She's like, sure, if you really want to, but I don't know if you're going to find what you're looking there. So we didn't actually do anything with that, but it was planted there, right? Like it was sitting there. Like I was already open to exploring this. So as I'm driving to Orlando, I'm thinking it's going to be like just another day with Josh. Like we'll talk about the marketing stuff. We'll maybe talk about fitness, what's going on with you. How's the event? How's these things? Maybe we'll just get into some fun conversation. And I remember picking you up at your hotel and you're like, where are we going? I was like, I just go downtown somewhere. I know there's got to be a great restaurant. 
we parked and then I think we're walking. I don't remember if I said it or we just walked up to the street, but it was Church Street, which anybody that knows downtown Orlando, like Church Street is one of the main streets. It runs perpendicular to Amway Arena, which is where the the, uh, the Magic play. Um, and we found this, we found this amazing steakhouse. And it was like, I think it was a Wednesday afternoon, maybe a Thursday afternoon. So it was like lunchtime, maybe five people in the restaurant total. Like, so we had the place kind of to ourselves. And I remember when the waiter came over and was like asking us, we were ready. And you're like, we're going to be here for a while. I think that's what he said. Or maybe I'm, maybe I just made, made that part. Yeah, that up, sounds but... like something I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so we sit there and, and very early in the conversation, you, you go, you mind if I ask you a couple questions? This is how I recall it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you asked me, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? And he asked me a question about my relationship with my dad. I remember that. I, I don't know if that was is accurate. It's about a relationship with my father and if what I knew about God. Um, and and I don't remember my response to either one of those questions other than saying, Josh, this what's going on here? Because I was just talking about church like a couple of weeks ago. So I was kind of open. And then you just kind of shared. I mean, I don't know how long it, it, it went for. It felt like it happened in a blimp, but I imagine it was probably an hour to an hour and a half. Like you share this amazing story uh, with me, the, you know, the, the, the good news, the story of, of, of the gospel. And at the end of that, um, you kind of ask, you know, the most important question is it are, you know, are, are you ready? And I was, you know, I been ready for at that point, 17 years, like every book that I was picking up, like I was, searching for God. And I understand that now. Uh, but here it was right in front of my eyes. So as we, as we walked out of the restaurant, um, I don't think I knew where, you know, I didn't, obviously I don't live in Orlando, so I didn't really know where we were going to end up, but I think you wanted to get out of the restaurant, at least at this point to kind of go to, to the next step. And, and I don't know who saw it, but across the street, there was a history center. There was a nice little park in there. Yeah. So Josh saw, Josh saw, he saw the history center. So we walked across the street there. Um, you place your hands, you know, over, over my shoulders here. And, you know, I guess, I guess this would have been the first time that I prayed or, you know, I accepted the Lord into my life. I, you probably have a better way of actually articulating like what was actually happening in the moment. I know that at that point, my life changed forever. Um, I, and everybody asked me like, like, what do you feel? And, and I couldn't really articulate a whole lot. I know I felt kind of like a, 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 a sense of peace maybe. Um, but I didn't know what was coming next. And I took you to back to your hotel. You happened to have a copy of the Passion Translation Bible with you that you brought down uh, from Pennsylvania to, to, to Orlando. I think you knew it was for Frank, but I actually think somewhere in your mind you thought that there was another Frank in your event that was going to be for. So you came back, so you came back downstairs, you gave that to me, you wrote a nice little message in there, which I still actually have that book. It sits back here um, somewhere. I'm not gonna be able to find it right now, but um, you know, every once in a while, I just kind of go and like, I like to just read that little, you know, it's like two sentences. It's like 1022, uh, the world will never be the same history center. Uh, and then, and then you, you, you signed it. So yeah, that was that moment, October 20, October 22nd, 2018, which was, you know, a catalyst for everything else I'm doing here today. So I'll stop and let you kind of, you know, add to that correct anything that I said wrong there um, or, or let me know where, where you want to go. No, next. You, go you nailed it. You nailed it. I do want to add just a few things there. And um, I got a couple of things I want to share with the, with the listeners um, and just fill in a few gaps. So no, you did a great job. I mean, that, that conversation, I remember it the way that you, you shared it. 
Um, you brought a couple things back to my memory too. And I just took some time to walk you through the story of the Bible, the story from, I mean, we went from Genesis all the way through. I did it in a very condensed manner, but it was, you know, we took our time, we walked through it. And what I want to share is that a couple things that um, I want to point out in the way God works, you know, it says in scripture that one man waters, another man sows, one, one man sows, another man waters, another one reaps. So there's a process that God uses in everyone's life. You know, I got to reap that day. I reaped a harvest. I was the one to lead you to the Lord. But even as you shared, there were multiple people. And it would probably even go back years before that might, you may not even recall right now. It might have been a message you heard or a friend, or it could have been something you caught on the radio, things that were going into your subconscious, things the Lord was implanting deeper into your soul realm. And all those things built to this moment in time, a preordained day where you made a decision. And so I want to point that out that no matter where we are in the process, we can see God's hand upon us to lead us. And then for those of us that feel the need to step up and share our faith, you know, maybe you're the one that just sows the seed. Maybe you're the one that nudges, you know, and then maybe, maybe you are the one to step out and be a little bit bold, share your faith and lead someone in prayer because we need that person too. And that's what I was convicted to do. You know, because there is this, this quote, it's actually by Francis of Assisi, and it, it says that, you know, always, it, it's something to the effect of this, always be witnessing and sometimes use your words. And I get it. It's witness with your life. But can I tell you something? The real gospel is de delivered with words. I mean, Frank, you started out by saying there's a power in our words. There's power with what I say. That was part of your your message in the, you know, our personal development conversation earlier. And there's a power on our words when we share the gospel. So yes, witness with your character. Yes, live an upright lifestyle. Yes, walk in obedience and let your life be different. And I believe that will draw people to ask questions of you, but there does come a time where we have to open our mouth. Now, I want to share this because there was something else that happened in the restaurant that day, Frank. And, you know, when we talk about sharing the gospel, we're talking about having a living relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just a book. It's not just principles or a framework or, you know, these nice kingdom rules that we live by. Um, he's a person and he shows up and he shows up tangibly and he shows up with power. And that's what happened in the restaurant because I was looking at Frank and I'm like, okay, I don't have to work hard for this. The Lord is here because I'm like, Frank, do you feel this? Do you feel him? And you were, I mean, I'll let you answer that, but there was a heavy presence that came into the restaurant. It was just your time. And I remember I was trying to contain myself. I was about to lose it. I, you don't know, but I was fighting back tears because it was just getting heavy. And I'm like, I just looked at you. I could barely say it. I had to whisper it up, but I said, Frank, you're ready. Do you remember that? Mm hmm yeah, and, and 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 what you said there, you know, at the beginning there about the planting, the harvesting, and then the you know the reaping and in, in, in the sowing. One part about that from so from July to, to July of 2017 to October of 18, I spent almost every single Thursday with a group of men that I was connected through through that mastermind. So when I got back from Toronto from that first event, I reached, I ran into a good friend of mine, somebody I'd met back in 2013. I ran into him at a powerhouse gym here. And I said, I knew he was in the same space. I knew he knew Vince personally. I knew that he had a very successful online business. So I went up to him and I said, hey, Dan, I know you don't really know me too, too well, but we connected back in 2013 at the old gym. 
I know you're successful here and you're doing this online thing. I just want to let you know I hired Vince. I'm in his mastermind and I'd love to just kind of connect with you and kind of figure some things out. What's working for you? What can I learn? What can I take away? He said, you need to come to Critical Bench on Thursdays. And I said, okay, give me the address. I'm going to be there. So he brought me to this gym and it was the only day that he went. Like he never returned back. He, he, he shows up like once a year. But it was one of those moments that really changed the rest of my life because I spent every single Thursday with these men. And I've trained with some of the most elite bodybuilders in the world. I've pushed my body. You talk about training. Like, no, I did train very, very, very hard. Yes, I was intelligent in my approach. But one thing that I did carry was the ability to push my body beyond what most people would even be able to stand or fathom. Like, it was a strength of mine. The ability to suppress some of the pain knowing that the like the the result was going to be on the other side but these workouts were different like those were there to like build my body those were there to challenge me mentally these thursday workouts came in a different came in a completely different package like yeah every once in a while we'd had this you know amazing workout where we're kind of laying on the floor uh you know sweating after we can't even catch our breath but a lot of it was like the fellowship was was the community and one thing that i say that that environment did for me is it showed me what I believe we're, we're, we're called as, as Christians. And none of these men ever shared their faith with me. None of them ever shared anything about Christianity or the Bible, but what they did is they showed up and they loved me differently. So much to the point that I had to know why, like, why are these guys different than every other man that I've known my entire life? Like they're not out chasing women. They're not out getting hammered on the weekend. They love and honor their wives. They lead their families. They, they live a life of deeper meaning and purpose and service. So the, uni, the unifying thing that connected them all together was their faith. So for me, it was seeing them, how they showed up differently every single day. That was like, okay, there is something about this thing over here. So when you brought it to me, it was like, yeah, okay. Like I've seen the fruits. I've seen what this does in your life because these men have the life that I've always aspired to get. So just adding to what you said there is this actually happened in my life. There was, there, there was the moment with, with Vince and Luch that was kind of like the, 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 the lighting of the fire. Then Chris and Mike and all those guys at critical bench kept the fire going. And then you came and poured the gasoline on it and it kind of blew up. So I like to speak in analogies here, but hopefully that made yeah. sense. Um, I love it. Well, I, I want to pick up and just share a couple more things because that was so awesome. And that shows you there is a role for all of us to play. And I've come to embrace, when it comes to sharing my faith, I've come to embrace a, a couple concepts. And one of them is the concept of nudge. You know, maybe I'm just there to nudge somebody. Maybe it's something I do, something I say, maybe it's the way I live. So I always take that approach. And then at times there's a conviction or there's something there, there's an opportunity. And I also know that we have to say something as well. So it's a combination of both. And what role are we playing in other people's journey? You know, one plants, one waters, one, you know, one sows, one waters and one reaps. And it was a great day when you get to reap. And I got to saw Frank come into the kingdom. I was there for your birthday. And we stepped out of the, you know, we stepped out of the restaurant. I'm the one who noticed Church Street. I didn't notice it on the way in. And that just something, you know, the way the Lord speaks is really, really cool, really interesting. He uses a lot of word pictures. And 
um, a lot of plays on words. And I got out and I'm like, wow, look at that. You got the gospel on Church Street. And then I said, let's get out of here because it was a little stuffy in the restaurant. The waiter kept coming over. I wanted a little bit of privacy. And I said, you know, on the way over here, I passed a park. Let's go over to that park. I saw it right around the corner. So I kind of, I walked us in that direction. Um, and that's when I noticed it was called like the World History Center. And I'm like, wow, this is really monumental. This is where you're going to be born again. This is where you're accepting the gospel. You're, you're praying. You're asking Jesus to, to forgive you. And you're taking this new step in your life um, in partnership with him. And you were different because I looked at you. I do remember saying, how do you feel? And Frank, your countenance, the way you looked was totally lighter. And you said that. You're like, I feel lighter. And I have a picture of it. Um, we'll post it up. We'll let people see it. I'll probably send it out with this episode maybe. Um, but you look great. You looked, you know, just fresh and happy and excited. And, you know, there was something visibly different because something powerful, you know, took place right then. And the crazy part of the story, I just want to tell this because this is such a God story. Um, it was just so ordained the way everything fell into place. But what you didn't know, I didn't share this with you at the time, you know, the story now, um, I was meeting with another gentleman down there. I was meeting with another guy named Frank, but I didn't even put two and two together. Okay. So I was going down to meet with, um, with an author. His name is Frank. We talked about connecting at some point and I wanted to bring this author a gift. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to bring him something. And, you know, I've been reading The Passion lately. I want to give him this Bible just as a gift. And I, I almost inscribed in it. I almost did. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm in a rush. I'm in a hurry. I'll write a message in it when I get down there. Because it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant for him. And I got down there. And then right after we prayed and, and we're walking around, I'm like, you know, I got to get you a Bible. And that's my, it was my first thought. I'm like, we got to get you a Bible. I'm like, do you have one? You're like, No. And I'm like, wait a second, I have one. I'm like, I don't have to go stop anywhere. I'm going to give you the one I have. I'm like, wait a second, I bought the Bible for a guy named Frank, only I bought it for the wrong Frank. It was meant to go to you. And now I'm giving it to the right Frank. So the Bible was bought for Frank. So I had a chance to just put a quick inscription in there for you, give it to you. And I'll never forget what you said to me when you got the Bible. And, you know, this, this tells us, so guys that are listening, if you guys are walking with the Lord, if you, you guys have, you know, you're Christians and you're here because you're a kingdom man that wants to raise the standard, keep in mind, there's a whole generation of men. There's a whole generation of kids. There's a generation, multiple generations that have no grid for God. They just don't have a grid for what is the Bible? What is God? You know, they don't even know. And when I gave you the Bible, the thing that really like, um, shocked me a little bit. You started looking at it and you said, why are the pages so thin? Like, I, I'm like, well, this is what all Bibles are like. Cause there, there's a lot of pages. So they make them like this. And, and I, I was kind of like, wow, Frank really, you know, he's really never really looked at a Bible. And I'm like, how many more people are, do we need to reach that don't even know, or they never picked up the word. Um, so guys, I just charge you to, to step up and be the light, be the witness, be who you're called to be in the workplace, the marketplace with your friends on the playground, on the sidelines of your kids' games, like go after it, go all out and be the example, raise the standard. Yeah. And maybe, you know, to the, you know, I don't know, I don't know the demographics of the audience here. Like, and, and, and for those that, you know, this doesn't resonate with, if it resonates with nobody, then hopefully it's going to help me or, or something. But I think the the example of the men at critical bench is is a great way, right? Like like you said, we don't need to go out there and start passing out Bibles or start saying, "Hey, let's come to lunch and let me share this thing with you." 
if all you did was try to show up differently in every situation so that when you left, the people ask why. I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. For a lot of us. I love and it. at least that's that's that is an intention. That is that is something that I try to live out in my life every possible way that I can. Do I do I hit it on the head all the time? No, I probably fail more often than I than I succeed at doing it. But I think it starts with the intention behind it, uh, because that was what really because I don't know if 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 I hadn't had critical bench for the year and a half that I did prior to that, if I would have been as open, Josh, like I'm going to be completely honest, like that laid a foundation for me to at least be open to hearing the message. So if you're not ready to go out there and aggressively attack it and raise the standard, just to raise the standard and how you show up in every possible situation. So that when you leave the people want to know why. Well said, well said. And, and, you know, let's point out to this relationship was built on relationship building, right? We were friends for a long time until I felt that conviction. So um, I'm not telling people go out to the first person you meet, but for the people you have relationships with, right? Be led by the Lord. You know, something in the life of Jesus is that we talk a lot about his morning routine on this show. We talk a lot about a lifestyle of prayer, being dependent on the father. And he says that he only does those things he sees the father doing. So Jesus had a plan every day, but he got it from the father. It was a download where he knew what he was doing that day, who he would see and what he would say. And he was being led. It was a constant communion. It wasn't a rule book. It wasn't a bunch of things he had to do. It was things that he was being shown. And that's what he acted upon. So great point, Frank. Thanks for bringing that up. I want to go to the next chapter in the story. And this is really powerful because a couple... I don't know. You'll tell me the exact timeline. It felt like a month, a couple of weeks later. Um, you made me, we used the app Marco Polo. You sent me a polo um, and I was totally floored by it. I mean, you shared a lot of uh, personal information and then you took an action, which I had a front row seat for. And I want you to share that because that got me so juiced up. I was so excited at what was happening in your life. Um, if you would be willing to share that with the audience, I think that's the foundation to you know, the next, the next level of your mission. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so it was, it was, it was almost exactly four months. Um, so the day in Orlando was October 22nd, 2018. And I remember, man, you're like, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, like read the Bible, find a church, read the Bible, find a church. The next week goes by Frank. Are you reading the Bible? No, read the Bible, go to church. Another week goes by Frank. What are you doing? Are you reading the Bible? No, read the Bible, go to church. And I don't know if you remember this. Like I was, I was not, I was somewhat resistant to it. I, I, I remember, uh, but I ended up finding a church. I did, I like the first one I walked into, it was a local church that I'd known about because it's big, you know, they had, they carried a huge presence here. Um, so that was probably not even until maybe January that I actually stepped foot in there. I would pick the Bible up, you know, in, in the morning, I'd read a few pages and then I'd open up, you know, another personal development book. I'm like, this just reads a whole lot better. Like, I'm sure some of the same stuff is in here, kind of how I was trying to maybe, maybe justify it. But you know, one thing I, you know, haven't really talked about, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that I work in the addiction space was some of my struggles through my twenties and thirties. You know, I painted this picture of this healthy bodybuilder, right? I painted this picture of this like high performer and high achiever, uh, all the same, while all that's going on, like I have kind of a secret life going on, uh, from the age of 20, 21, like I've struggled with, well, I struggled with drugs in high school. Like I was addicted to marijuana, like from 15 years old, I was actually selling drugs in high school just so I could smoke 
for free. I was drinking uh, a lot. I came from a broken home. My parents got separated when I was 15. And I kind of threw two fingers up in the air and said, you know, I'm just going to do all this on, on my own. I don't need you guys anymore. So that carried with me through my entire, you know, adult life, at least up until this point. Um, as the clock turned over, though, from October, or I'm sorry, from 2018 and 2019, I was ready to make some significant changes. I was really ready to go all in on, on my faith. I was really ready to clean up my life. I, I needed to do something radically to transform my body because at this point, I was drinking almost every single day. I don't think you actually knew this. Like I was, I was opening up the bottle of whiskey at like two o'clock every single day and I was drinking until the point I went to bed. Um, so I, 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 I made a hard choice. Like at the end of 2018, I said, I'm done with alcohol. Like I'm going to stop drinking cold turkey. I've done it multiple times. Like obviously as a bodybuilder, like I just had this on and off switch that I could turn it off when I needed to compete. And then when the off season would go, I would just drink to the point where I blacked out. Um, but as that clock turned over, I stopped drinking, but I also needed to go through like a physical transformation because I was probably 30 pounds overweight at this point. I didn't look like a fitness professional. So I said, what is something that I can do to radically transform my body over these next 30 days with the hope that I could use it as kind of a marketing tool to maybe bring some eyeballs into our business? So this is when I went into the carnivore diet, because for me, I just needed something simple. I needed something that I knew was going to create radical change. So I followed the carnivore diet for, for 30 days and I lost 21 pounds. But what unlocked in my brain, in my mind was like the sense of clarity, like you mentioned this picture where I looked light. When I look back at that picture now, all I see is inflammation in my face. I'm like, this dude's face is so fat <laughs> and unhealthy. Um, so doing this carnivore diet, like it radically transformed my physique, but it radically transformed the way that I began to see the world because I'd never gone like without carbohydrates. Like I was a bodybuilder, like carbohydrates were the fuel that we used to build our body, but not consuming carbs. Like gave me this new sense of like energy and clarity and like focus and drive. So a radical transformation, 21 pounds. I went from 18% body fat down to like just under 10. Like it was massive transformation. Um, and while all this is going on, like I begin to look into porn addiction because I remember hearing a podcast towards right around the time that you and I met. Uh, it was Vince. Vince had interviewed Michael John Cusick, who's the author of Surfing for God. The first time that I heard two men openly talk about their struggles with pornography. And I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. I watch a lot of porn. Do I have an addiction? And these were things that I was trying to kind of like piece together and figure out. So I'm diving into the TED Talks. I'm reading the articles. I'm picking up the books. And throughout the entire month of January, I'm like, okay, I got this alcohol thing under control. The body is going well. But this porn thing, like it's maybe it's a major problem. Like I'm having some some issues with Stephanie. Maybe there's there's a link back to there. But I didn't do anything with it. I just sat in this information. And that leads us up to Valentine's Day in, in 2019. So February 14, 2019. So four, almost exactly four months from the day there. And takes us back to Critical Bench, where I have a Thursday workout, which usually was a Thursday workout followed by lunch. For whatever reason, this Thursday, I didn't go to lunch. One other man stayed back with me as well. It's like he had something going on where he just had to kind of get out of the, uh, get out of the gym pretty quickly. But I said, hey, Zach, you got a couple minutes. Let's just hang out and just, just, let's just, you know, let's catch up. Like, I hadn't seen him in a while. So we're sitting in my car and we're just having a conversation just about life. Just, you know, just like you and I would, would normally do. And Zach starts talking about these breathing exercises that he's picking up from Wim Hof that is allowing him to harness his sexual energy. And he's like, dude, you don't realize, like, this is actually keeping me away from porn. And I'm like, wait a minute. Say that again. Like, Zach is a Marine. Like, very strong man. I have a lot of respect for him for what he's done, obviously defending our country, just not somebody that I would ever think back, like has a problem with pornography. Because once again, 
alpha, strong, masculine. If you have weaknesses, you're a weak man. If you have struggles, you're a weak man. That was how I associated things. So to hear Marine say, dude, I've struggled with porn. I'm like, hmm. And that was like the feeling for me, like, Frank, this is your time right now. If you And it, it almost felt like the call came then. It's like, if I don't say something now, I'm never going to say anything. So I said, Zach, I'm so appreciative for you sharing this. I've been looking for the opportunity to talk about this, but I think I've had an addiction to pornography for over 20 years. And he said, yeah, you probably have. And I'm like, what does it mean? He's like, all of us do. And he starts sharing a little bit more about his struggles in Iraq while he's literally like fighting in wars, like he's consuming porn five, six, seven times a day. So we talked a little bit about it, but by then I was so ready just to be done with it. Like I was so disgusted with it. I was so fed up with it. I felt like it had control of my life. And I committed to him that day. And I said, Zach, today's the day. Whatever, whatever led you to talk about this was what I needed to hear. I'm committed to you and I'm committed to everybody to get this out of my life. But I need two things, Zach. Are you, are you with me here? He said, absolutely. Today, for one, I need you to be there for me. Can you support me? Can you hold me accountable? If I need to have a conversation, can I reach out to you? Obviously, you're further down this path than I am. I need somebody. Once again, circling back to what I talked about at the beginning, right? We need people in our life. We, we're not going to do anything of meaning or anything of, of, of importance in this world all by ourselves. So I know I needed a support system. I wasn't ready to talk about it with everybody, but he was already there with me. So he already knew. So he committed to me that he'd hold me accountable. Second thing I said is I need to share this with Stephanie. At this point, her and I relationship was kind of like butting heads, but I also felt that like I could see myself with her forever. There's a lot of great things that came out of our relationship. But I only knew that we were going to be able to work through whatever we were going through and go on to the next level if she knew the truth. So I said, Zach, I need you to hold me accountable and I need to have I need to share this with Stephanie. So I had about a 30 minute drive home that day. And that drive was like one of the most difficult ones, because at this point now, like I didn't I didn't you know understand it back then. But the voices are coming. The enemy's there like, dude, you don't need to say anything like this will be fine. Zach's never going to ask you about this. Stephanie doesn't need to know. She already knows you look at porn. So why admit these things to her anyways? So I actually didn't do anything with it that day. I sat on it uh, for, for, for the night. I may have even gone home and looked at porn. I don't remember. Um, but the next morning, like that's when I felt convicted. Like, so we lived in a townhouse. I had an office and the upstairs, uh, the upstairs hallway, like was right where her bathroom was. So we kind of had separate bathrooms. So I, I'm sitting in my office one morning and I can hear her like in the bathroom, kind of like rumbling things around. I said, Frank, this is it now or never. So I literally had to go into the closet because I had a secret computer that I watched porn on because I'd already been caught once in a previous relationship. So it's never going to happen again. I just have a computer that nobody else has access to. So I had to go into the, the closet, like pull this thing out from underneath other stuff where it was always sitting by itself. And I walked into the bathroom. And I said, Seven, I need to tell you something. She looks down. She's like, why do you have a computer in your hand? So just wait, just stay with me here. And I just confess it all to her. I said, I know you know that I watch porn because I brought it up to you. I've asked you if you want to watch it with me. Because I used to you I used to do these things to like poke and pry to see how much I could get away with. Um, maybe there's a guy out there that that is resonating with him. I don't know. But so I said, Hey, I know you know this about me, but I don't think you actually understand the severity of what this issue is. I have a major problem in addiction. And I just shared all this with her. And by the end of this conversation, she's in tears, I'm in tears, not knowing what we're gonna do, not knowing where to move forward. It actually got to that point where we're kind of both standing there crying. I was like, okay, goodbye. And I, like, I walked away, like kind of weird and awkward. Um, but this was after I ripped the computer apart. So 
I finally told her what the computer was for. I'm like, Seth, you don't even understand. Like, it's so bad that I've had this computer that is completely private, completely secret. But I'm sh- I'm committing to you right now that I'm ready to get this out of my life and I'm gonna prove it to you. But I'm gonna destroy this computer. And I literally took the laptop in two pieces and ripped it apart. It sounds more impressive than it really is because I just tore two pieces that were like put together apart. But it sounds cool to say I tore a computer apart with with my bare hands. Um, and she's like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" Like. Um, so I'd go downstairs and it was the trash day. So garbage cans were outside. And this is where I send you the Marco Polo. So this is kind of like, the, this is kind of the first time you hear about all this. I pull the phone up and I don't even remember how I kind of set it up. Like I think, Josh, I got something really important to tell you. You know, you've known me for these couple of years now. Obviously there's a secret that you don't know the truth. And I just kind of like just vomited it all out to you. But then I showed you the laptop and I showed you how important this was to me. And I was literally ready to destroy whatever it was that was going to be the access point for me. And this is the power of decision, right? This is the power of commitment and, and ripping your eyeballs out. Like that was that was my part right there. It's like, I'm just going to destroy this, showing to myself and really to my subconscious, like, hey, you actually are truly 100% committed to this. And I understand a lot of that now because I've worked with so many men over the two years. A lot of them don't ever truly commit to change. So I share this with you. And I remember as I'm ending the call, I said, Josh, I don't know what this is going to lead to, but I know that this is the beginning of something that is so much bigger and I can't wait to see where it takes us. And I kind of threw the thing in the trash and that was kind of the, the ending of the call. So I don't know if there's anything that I missed there, anything you want to add, add, add up, but um, that was, that was that moment. I just remember how powerful the moment was. And I was, uh, I, I couldn't believe you were sharing it with me. Um, I remember being in your corner, you know, there was no judgment on my side. I'm like, you know what guys go through struggles, but look what you're doing. And you know what I took away from it, Frank, I know the Lord used multiple people in your life to get you to that, that point where you made that decision, but the Holy spirit was also working in your life. You know, there was things happening and it, and it tells me that when you come to the Lord, the Lord will, will take you through this process of cleaning things up. I don't have to clean you. You don't have to clean yourself. You just have to respond to where he's pointing on those areas. Uh, that is what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us and he shows us. And there's always hope when he brings that conviction that we can turn this around. And that's what was happening in your life. Um, so powerful. Why don't you just take us, Frank? I know we don't have a ton of lot. Uh, we don't have a ton of time left um, for this show. We'll definitely be doing a part two. But tell me what happened after this, because this led to a journey with Reboot Recovery. And if you could just walk us through, and I, I actually want to talk about how guys can connect with you too, because you know you're not the only one with this struggle. There's men everywhere that are struggling with this, and never have we lived in a time where it's been so accessible and there's so many attacks being launched at us everywhere we go, everywhere we look. And um, and I want to hear about what you're doing and how you help men right now and how this has turned in from, how this turned from, you know, a test to a testimony to now a mission. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank you for that. It's uh, so it is rebuilt recovery. You say reboot recovery a lot and I'm not here to, Oh, correct sorry. You, but, my, my bad. Uh, <laughs> um, no. And, 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 and you're right. I, it's 100% not a isolated incident. It's not actually even a majority a minority problem. If you look at the statistics, it is a majority of the men are struggling with this. I know we're speaking to a Christian uh, audience here. Pure statistics here, not my numbers that I'm pulling out of nowhere. Look at Barter Research 2019. 70% of Christian men that attend church regularly admit to having a problem with this. 57% of pastors admit to having a problem with it. 64% of youth pastors 
admit to having a problem with it. And only 7% of churches have a program or solution that is helping men out of it. So I see it as probably one of the biggest problems facing men, facing Christian men, facing marriages, uh, and, 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 and really the entire world. So uh, the next few months, man, was life-changing, right? Like I, like I said, I didn't know what it was going to lead me to, but I knew something was going to come out of this that was going to be bigger and beyond anything that I had ever done in my life. Um, and it didn't just go, I quit porn, I launched a company, now I help men. Like there was a journey and process that led me through that. But I think one of the biggest things that helped me was not feeling shame. I think, I think the conversation with Zach really opened up my eyes to like, okay, there are other men out there and there are open men that are open to having this conversation. The support that I heard from you uh, after that first conversation showed me like, okay, like I can count on these men that have been there for me. Like they're not going to judge me through this. So I took the next couple of weeks and months to really share it with everybody. I don't know why I felt this way, but I felt like everybody needs to know. Like I almost, I almost looked forward to this conversation because like every time I opened up, A for one, like I would learn more about myself. Like I was kind of putting myself through like self-therapy moments, but it also, every conversation made things feel lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. You talked about in, in Orlando, like how I, how I even looked lighter. Every time I opened up with somebody, it's like, the guilt and shame just got lighter and lighter and lighter. So much to the point where it's like flying around the world, like looking for people to have this conversation with literally like setting up zoom calls. Like, dude, I got to tell you something. And like, okay. And then I get on there and they're like, I've had a porn addiction for like 20 years. And they're like, Whoa, I didn't think, but it was, it was so amazing because every guy that I shared it with, like, I'm not bragging about my, my friends or I'm not bragging about the networking relationships that I have, but I'm connected with some high level men, like guys that are building massive companies, guys that are having massive impact in the world, guys that are doctors, CEOs, lawyers, like you name it, like these guys are my friends. So when I opened up to them, they're like, yeah, me too. And it was like, okay, I'm actually not a bad person. I made some bad choices, but I'm not a bad person. I think that's the differentiating point between shame and guilt. Shame says you're a bad person. Guilt is you did something bad. So I was removing myself out of the shame, but it was only done through openly discussing what I was going through and having other men say, you know what, this is okay. And as I'm doing this, like my friends now, once again, yourself, Dr. Ron, Mike, they're like, Frank, this is going to lead you to something way bigger. Like you guys kept reinforcing how powerful this story was, how powerful this testimony is. I don't think I ever felt that. I felt like I was just another guy. Like, once again, I try not to put too much weight on the things that I do anymore. I've struggled with that a lot, like too much pride, too much ego. So for me, I just felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. But hearing the feedback, like, like from everybody, like, Frank, this is powerful. Frank, you need to get this out there. Frank, this is going to lead you to something greater. I said, okay, maybe there is an opportunity for me to share this. So obviously we're here on a podcast. Like, this is something I've always loved. I've always loved being a listener and consumer of podcasts. They changed my life back in 2015. And I've always wanted to start one literally from 2017 to 2019. I probably had 50 different ideas drawn out on a whiteboard, but never anything that was like, okay, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger until I had this story. And it was like, okay, if me, once again, I'm nobody here, but I did have a background in high performance. I had built my body and other people's body. I have had some success in the corporate arena. I have had some success in entrepreneurship. I've studied human performance, self-development, psychology, human nature, all these things that, that, that shape and make us who we are, but yet I'm still struggling with this thing. What about all the men that don't pursue the things that I'm pursuing? What about all the men that don't have my background? 
they're probably not even equipped to a, even understand what's going on in their world. Maybe there's something for me to just put this story out there. So this led me to launching my podcast, which is called The Super in Life. We've had you on, Josh, now two times, uh, two amazing episodes. Maybe you can link those in the show notes somewhere. Um, so and, and, and the podcast started with literally just a way that I wanted to put my story out into the world. Literally, the first episode is this story drawn out over about 90 minutes. Um, and then the second episode is actually with with Zach. Um, but as I start putting these conversations out there, because the first 10, 15, 20 episodes were really focused on addiction recovery, not just porn addiction. We had some of those stories in there, but we had alcohol addiction. We had drug. We had heroin. We had Adam on Adam Vigunton, another uh, mutual friend of ours. And by having these open, vulnerable conversations, the messages that I began to receive from men changed because remember, I was building a fitness company. I had somewhat of a social presence already, but the message I was receiving from men changed from Frank, thank you for your fitness. Thank you for helping me build bigger biceps. Thank you for helping me get abs to Frank. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your willingness to have these open conversations. And then the messages started to become Frank, can you help me? And at first I was like, I don't think so. I mean, Take what you're hearing in these podcasts and try to implement some of these things into your own life. And that was really the next six months of just putting the conversations out there, openly hoping that it's going to help inspire, motivate somebody to take action, make change in their life. Circling back to attending an event, though, with Vince once again uh, in January of 2020, actually January 28th or that weekend, you were back down. Um, so you're another part of this story. And in that event, Vince taught like a marketing thing where you can kind of like launch a program, launch a coaching without having anything really uh, set up or built. And I said, hmm, maybe there's something here for this. Because like I said, I've been getting a lot of messages of men asking me for help. So literally at the end of that event, I walked away the next Monday and I said, I think I'm going to try this. You know, I literally took like the little Twitter style post that probably everybody's seen on Instagram. And I said, I'm looking for five guys that are fed up and tired with their compulsive addiction with pornography. I'll personally coach you for the next four months to rebuild your body, rewire your brain and reshape your heart. Um, and that became the beginning now of what was or what has become rebuilt recovery. So out of that post, I had two clients, $6,000, um, which was more money that I'd made like in a long time because my fitness business was not doing anything. So I said, okay, we're on to something. Now I needed to figure out like the actual like program, like how am I going to actually help these guys? So now I'm scrambling, like getting certifications, reading books, like, okay, literally building it week by week by week by week uh, with the first, the first two men. Now that program at this point has been perfected, refined, optimized, tweaked. We now built it into deliverables with video trainings, worksheets. Uh, there's, there's scripture, there's, there's prayer, um, there's guest trainings. There's like, it is, in my opinion, is the best porn addiction recovery program in the world, we've been fortunate and blessed to have over 3,000 men at this point go through books, courses, coaching, and program. That program in and of itself has uh, has successfully led about 250 men out of porn addiction and into life 100% porn-free uh, just in the last two years. So um, it's been amazing. It's been an absolute blessing. I am don't feel so like awesome. I'm doing any of it myself. Um, I show up daily, and I feel like I'm a vessel to share a message. Uh, with, with the world. So yeah, I don't know if that's what you're looking for. Wow. Yeah. Frank, that was powerful. What a powerful story. There's so much there. Um, Frank, obviously we're going to drop your info of where people can connect with you, but for the, for the guy that's struggling right now, um, what are, what are your top three things that someone that's listening to this? Cause we know what's happening everywhere. Someone's going to listen to this and they have this issue. Um, and it's a secret right now. 
Um, what do you suggest for that guy? Can we give something tactical, something someone can do today that's listening to this on how do they take action? Yeah. If they want to stop, if they want to change their life. Yeah. And, and, and I think I shared it multiple times through, throughout my story here, but kind of bringing it, you know, to like actionable steps, start with making a decision, right? Like make a true committed decision, not one that you think it would be a good idea to get out of this. Not one that I hope I'm going to be able to overcome this. Not one that if I can find the right way out of it or not one that if when my life gets to this point, I'll stop doing this. Make a decision commitment today that you are willing to do whatever it takes to get this out of your life. Start from there. But also understand that it's not going to be easy. And I'm not saying that it should be. So if you start from the decision, responsibility is mine to change, then the, then the rest can be accomplished. But if you're living in a victim state or a victim mentality, or you're not willing to take the responsibility that you are the one that has caused this problem in your life, brother, you've already lost. You've already lost this fight. So start with a decision and commitment and taking the responsibility for yourself. The second thing I would say is find somebody to talk to. Find an open space, a container that you can have a conversation without judgment. Not with your wife, with another man. Ideally, a man that has already overcome it in his life. Don't go into a support group first. Find a man that inspires you. Find a man that has the life that you want to live and have the conversation from there. And then figure Very it out from, from, from that point on. But I, I don't even know if the three steps are needed. Like, obviously, the third step is like, get a coach, get a program, start taking action on it. But it's got to start with a decision and commitment that you're willing to do whatever it takes. And also from the frame that is going to be your responsibility. Nobody's coming to save you. Start from there and then have the conversation and then figure the rest out along the way. Yeah. Frank, that's so powerful. You know, I was thinking what you said, you know, you have to make a decision and take responsibility. I mean, really what you laid out right there. Um, is this path of personal responsibility that every man must take. And, it, you know, it's part of, it's actually part of repentance, you know, because repentance, that was the message of Jesus. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that, that word, the concept, the concept behind repentance is change your mind, change your ways. And it starts with, you have to make a decision. I always say that the decision precedes the discipline. We have a lot of guys that are pursuing discipline, right? You're pursuing, I'm going to go work for it. I'm going to work out. This, this week's going to be different. It's Monday. I'm going to stick with my diet. I'm going to hit the gym. Or now I'm going to stop cold turkey, whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, but they haven't really made that decision. That always precedes discipline. And then you have to take responsibility. You have to get to the point where you can own it and stop blaming someone else. Well, it's my wife's fault you know, I don't get what I need. So I have to do this, or I'm looking for an escape because you don't know the, the pressure I'm under. And so I just, that's just so foundational what you're sharing. It's so fundamental yet guys run away from this because we've become a victim culture. Yeah. And I think maybe, it, maybe one more thing that I, that, that, that I can add here that can kind of help in some of the discipline, because, you know, I'm a believer that discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want right now. Most men going into this journey, like they don't actually even know what it is they're trying to accomplish. They think they're trying to quit porn. And that's not the issue. Like porn is not your problem. And now I'm getting into kind of like a lot of coaching here. And I cut me off if you want to. Porn is not the problem. Your inability to self-regulate yourself in certain moments is why you're seeking out porn as an escape. You even said, you know, I didn't get right. what I want. So I got to escape this. 
Well, right. figure out a life where you are going to get what you want. That would be a great thing. But I think where it actually needs to start is define what living without porn actually means to you. What what can life potentially look like? This is a part of our program. We walk these guys through an exercise in week two where we had them cast a massive vision for their life without pornography. So probably start with figuring out where is porn actually negatively impacting your life. Yeah, it's taking your attention, but no, get real clear. How's it impacting your relationships? How's it impacting your faith? How's it impacting your health and your fitness? How's it impacting your finances? How's it impacting your, your ability to show up and be a great dad? So get real clear on that. And don't like don't take it easy on yourself. Once again, this shouldn't create any more shame because you probably already have all that, but you gotta get clear on what the impact has been because you can only change something if you know what needs to be changed. So start by identifying where the negative impact has been and then get super clear on what can my life potentially be? What type of father can I be? What type of Christian leader can I be? What type of manager? What type of business owner? What type of fitness person can I be? Get hyper clear and focus on what your life can potentially be and use that as the guidepost for how you make decisions on a daily basis. And that in of itself should be a good starting point to begin to build the discipline. But if you don't know where it is you're trying to go, you're easily going to give into the pleasure, right? Like something is going to take you off thing because you don't have an aim. You don't have a you don't have a guiding light on how you're trying to dictate and make decisions in your life. So start from there. Start from getting clear on the negative impact and then painting a very very crystal clear picture of what life can be like without pornography. And then make it your goal every single day to work towards that life and that can get us into a whole nother conversation with dopamine which hopefully we can do a yeah second, yeah i mean second episode we yeah we're, we're gonna have to do a part two because this the, we're going in this, there's so much more that we can talk about that we need to talk about and i love this concept of vision every man has to have a vision if you don't have a vision you just don't have direction so um let's let's do this right now i know you're you got something on the horizon that you're working on that goes past rebuilt recovery it's kind of another uh, another business that you're starting another group for men um can you give us a quick preview of what's coming up this year for frank absolutely yeah and and i wouldn't say it's a second business i would say it's another layer within rebuilt recovery that is my goal to just make it another part of another company. I don't want it. I don't need another company. Um, but so it will be an extension, but I struggled, right? Like as, as a coach, like I'm amazing. I, I can help any guy that is willing to do the work out of bondage. I can help you to freedom in four months, but I haven't had any ongoing support. So in one, in, in one essence, like it's been so amazing what we've been able to do in these men's lives, but sometimes I feel like I've let them down because it's okay. I help you out of freedom now, but what's the next phase? What's the next step for you to go to. And also as thinking as a business owner, like I know you have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this, like I'm in a constant having to refill like our customer pipeline because our customer life cycle is only four months long. So I've kind of re-evaluated what our, what our mission really is. And it started from, I want to help guys quit porn or overcome their porn addiction through the power of faith and fitness. And that was good. That was a good goal from the beginning. Like a lot of men need help getting out of pornography. But once again, realizing that no man that is struggling with a porn addiction actually has a problem with porn. There's a lot of other issues in his life that he needs to solve that will actually make this one disappear. So we've revamped our statement and we're here to help men become better men by quitting porn and rebuilding their lives. And to enable us to do this, we're going to we're building out a new kind of ongoing coaching program that will be for the men after they plead 
after they complete the four month reboot, uh, reboot your life program. So we have a 16 week program and then we're going to roll you into an ongoing fellowship brotherhood community. It's called Brotherhood Redefined, which our mission is to level guys up in the five key areas of life, which is faith, fitness, finance, family, and most importantly for the men that I've worked with and serve freedom. And the freedom component is the freedom from pornography, but freedom from all vices in your life, like freedom from social media, freedom from toxic mindset, freedom from victim mentality. Um, so that's what I'm really excited about launching. And I think it's going to change the way that people look at men's coaching forever. Um, we're calling it brotherhood redefines because you're seeing a lot of these men's groups popping up, you know, kind of in this space that you and I work and operate in. And I think they're all missing something. So I believe we have the best solution. We're tapping into what I believe are the five key areas for a men's life, faith, fitness, finance, family, and freedom. Uh, we're excited to launch that off. So, so we kind of have a founding special kind of going on right now with all of our past clients. Um, we're not going to launch it to the public until probably late August, early September. But that's probably what I'm most excited about working on right now is having this next phase of true, like, self-development coaching. You know, we want to call it life coaching. You want to call it uh, a leadership development plan, leading in your life. I'm not really sure what exact language is there, but so excited because as maybe I've done a good job sharing, like I have a pretty extensive background from training, from coaching, from leading small teams, from managing high-level executives, from coaching salespeople to helping business owners. Like, so I had this unique skill set that really positions me in the space that I work in to like really elevate myself above everybody else. Yeah, there's some great people out there that can help you quit porn. But if your greatest accomplishment in your life is quitting porn, then that's all they're gonna be able to help you do. I've built companies, I've led salespeople, I've helped other people build massive companies, I've done personal development, I've been a fitness trainer, so I have this unique background and skill set that I believe is gonna help not just men quit porn, because once again, I don't think that's the problem. I'm gonna help men become better men, which is what I think this world needs. I think the world needs better men. I think the world needs stronger men. I think the world needs men that are like able to step up and take claim in their lives. So that's what we're committed to doing. So yeah, thank you for thank you for allowing me to share that. Yeah, Frank. I mean, I love the mission. It's powerful. You have a lot of wisdom. You have a lot of strengths to lend to the men that are going to join this group, this brotherhood that's redefined. Um, where can people connect with you right now? If someone's just listening to this. They want to know more about you. They want to follow you. They might want to get on the waiting list from when you launch that, or they might want to work with you right now in Rebuilt. Um, where's the best way for the guys listening to connect with Frank Rich? The best way to connect with me personally is on Instagram. My handle is Coach Frank Rich. It's pretty easy to, to remember. Frank Rich wasn't available, but I am a coach. I believe I was born a coach. I believe it's what I'm here to do. So Coach Frank Rich on Instagram. Um, check out our YouTube channel. If, if, if the conversation around porn today was what was really drawing you in, we do seven videos a week. Uh, we just started sharing some shorts as well. So actually 10 to 14 videos go up on YouTube every single week. The channel is also Coach Frank Rich. Um, a podcast, you know, which obviously we talked about, you've been on here, here a handful of times. So those are going to be more of your overall development conversations. You know, we've interviewed some of the world's leading neuroscientists, former Navy SEALs, best-selling authors, Josh Cacciadori, the greatest man in the world. Um, so we've had amazing conversations, almost 130 episodes at this point. We're coming up on three-year anniversary. So that you can find that at Superman Life. We're available on all the platforms. But connect with me personally on Instagram at Coach Frank Rich. Send me a DM. Hey, you know, I heard John Josh's podcast. If you want to have a conversation, just let me know where where you came from. And I'd love to just just talk, man. If anybody if anybody has questions or now for the men that really need some help, um, I'd say by picking up our seven step guide. You know, so I have a free book, uh, which is the seven steps of living life without porn. 
Uh, you can find that at www.the7stepguide.com. Yeah. Awesome. Frank, I'm going to link all that stuff below. Um, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. Guys, I hope you got a lot out of today. I mean, Frank's got an amazing story, an amazing journey, and you're invited into this. When you hear someone's testimony and the freedom that they got, that's an invitation for you to step into it as well. And I think you have a lot of tools and tactics, strategies that were dropped on today's show that you can apply in your life right now. And you also have a direct line to reach out to Frank directly. I'm going to drop all those links below if you want to take that relationship to the next level or if you know that's you. You need a coach. Frank is a great guy. He's one of my best friends. Frank, I love you. Thanks for joining the show. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If what you heard here today resonated with you and you want to fully step in to be the man that God created and called you to be, then I want to give you a free guide. It's called The Map. And you can get it at standard59.com. In the map, I will give you 12 biblical strategies that every kingdom man pursuing biblical masculinity must honor. If you're ready to step off the sidelines and pursue the upward call, then get the map today at standard59.com. That's standard59.com. Hey, if there's a brother in your life that needs to hear this message, then share this show with them. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps get the message out there to more men. Until the next show, guys, let's raise the standard.